0: Our cops are corrupt, our judges bought, our politicians are for sale. Everywhere you look, slime is on the loose. You're going to be the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not get away with it.
1: folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 164, and today we're going to be talking about Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. This great and fantastic film stars Fred Ward, Wolford Brimley, Joel Gray, and Kate Mulgrew. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark, at least my name wasn't from a bedpan, Slover. You now there were
2: times watching this movie that I,
1: that I, that I
2: almost wish that I
1: was rather instead
2: of watching it, just hanging from the Wonder Wheel. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, folks, and also joining us is our other very good and dear friend uh, Ken. I'm not Korean, but I might be able to make a passable sumo wrestler, Roni.
3: I wish I could have ducked this movie like that Master Chun ducked those (laughs) bullets.
1: No kidding. Uh, Oh, well, guys, I'll tell you what. uh, Our other good and dear friend and also just want to mention this co-founder of the show, Jeff is not able to be here because I don't know. He had something going on. He's very. I think, busy.
3: I think he fled the state when he heard we were reviewing this movie. <laughs> Not you No,
1: know, I think you know what? I think you're right. He's like, "That's it. I'm out." Uh, I think he might have actually stayed for Deep Sea but yeah. I think when he said Remo Williams, he was like, "That's it. I'm out of here." I think he packed up the house and moved out. So, but that's all right. We can we can handle it. the uh, the, the the three Musketeers here are in charge. So uh so there you go folks we were supposed to do the show last week and it was supposed to be actually me and Jeff but uh Jeff had technical difficulties which he still has not owned up to but I'm pretty sure had involved his dog <laughs> I I'm, I'm almost convinced uh I find particular that dog's teeth Yeah yeah I'm pretty sure yeah cuz I because I texted him I'm like did your dog eat your headphones and I never heard back from him so this
2: it's dog named Snots.
1: <laughs> well, well, let's put it this way: the last time I was over at his place, that dog headbutted butted me right into the you know where, <laughs> and I, I mean, I was like on the ground. Yep, that was pretty much it. Uh, so anyway, uh, so Jeff, uh, it's, you know what? We're we're putting Jeff on the uh, special uh, guest red shirt uh, list at this point, so uh, he may be back. Uh, Well, actually, he will be back at some point. I don't know. Episode 195, I'm guessing. I don't know. Guys, start a pool. There you go. So, anyway, we're going to be talking about Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. And this is one of those classic 1980s. 1980s, yeah. Yeah, oh, gosh, yeah. eighties. Oh, yeah, this is, what, 84, 85, I think. And this was, I think, supposed to be, well, when they started off with Remo Williams' colon, The Adventure Begins, I think they had high hopes that this was going to be some type of uh, franchise, that they were going to, you know, really do things with it, and I think after pretty much about the first week everybody said, nah, they ain't going nowhere. We're done.
2: Especially especially the part where they had, in in the name of the title, colon. You know, it just (laughs) they well...
3: Well, I mean, in, in their defense, this movie is based off of, you know, a long series of, bo- of uh, books, like pulp he-man adventure books, that came out in the, I think the '50s, '60s, and '70s, called the Destroyer, about you know a, a top-secret assassin working for the government, and uh, it was a back then it was a very popular series with lots of it aimed at young men, and you know again it was a cheap paperback you'd read one and then you know a couple weeks later another one would come out. And it was very successful. So I, I thought, I, I'm pretty sure Hollywood thought, well, we got all these people that are watching it. It'll be an audience.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Ken, you brought that thing up about the the paperback book, what this is based off. And, and that's very true. But before we get into that, uh, we do have, uh, and it's uh, we've been remiss in not doing this for a while, but we do actually have a Man Cave movie review intro to this great and fantastic film. Reva Williams is a New York City cop who was recruited into a shadow intelligence unit for the U.S. government and is trained to become a lethal weapon by a Korean martial arts master. Monty, yo, reflexes are pathetic. You move like an ox in heat, and you smell like a White Castle cheeseburger. But you do show some aggrima of promise. I think we can do something with you.
2: You, you had to extend that awful 80s porn music, didn't Techno, you?
3: Techno, yeah.
2: Techno I porn.
3: Of course did I did. That movie was full of it. Of course, they only had like two minutes of real music, which they yeah. just sort of plugged the blade and repeated. I will say this.
1: Deb has a better New York accent <laughs> than Fred Ward. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had a better New York accent than anybody that was in New York oh. at the time. <laughs> Well, you know that's that. That's the thing about this is that it's it's great. It's it's this. I I think you have to have grown up in the '80s or have been coming of age, or I shouldn't say coming of age, either growing up, coming of age, or in your 20s or that to actually look back. And I think we can all appreciate these movies for the wonderful cheese factor that was involved, particularly the music, because that's the kind of music that was in these action movies back then i mean it it literally it's
3: it would you say it's commando-esque
1: well you know i think actually i think the commando soundtrack was actually a hell of a lot better than this this i mean commando was i think was actually a step up i'm not saying that the acting quality or the plot lines were that great but i think the let's put it this way in my opinion uh, the best part of Commando was probably the soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in terms of if you're going to start pulling stuff out. But, I mean, this is – yeah, this was like stuff that you were almost hearing in after-school specials and stuff back then. But, uh, but can, uh just going back real quick, Ken, you had mentioned – uh, that this was based off a pulp book that was written back uh, late 70s 80s called the Destroyer. Do you guys remember there was another one? And Matt this Mac Bull the Executioner. Yes. Yes. I read yeah. every single freaking one of those. And remember and remember Doc Savage? Oh yeah. I I didn't read Doc Savage. I I've seen it but I never Same I never thing. read. It. Yeah. But, yeah,
3: that's something we're missing in today's world. I mean, there's other cheap entertainments, but they just crank these kind of novels out and they were just pulpy, you know, adventure, you know, two-fisted action books. Right. But they had an audience. People loved them.
1: Yeah. Well, and I remember, and in fact, I probably still somewhere in my mom's attic, there's probably about, you know, at least half a dozen Mac Bolin books I didn't get rid of. Because, I mean, I had the, like, because you got to the point where you were collecting them. Because they were, like, episode one episode. I mean, every one was, like, oh, yeah. an episode or a series or that. And because I think the Mac Bolin ones started off, it was, like, him against the mafia. That's how his his whole thing, his family he got was. killed. Yeah, it was like his family got killed by the mafia. He was like this ex-Special Forces dude from Vietnam. And, uh, you know, and then his whole thing is to take down the mob. And then he gets recruited by the, you know, the CIA, and it becomes, you know, like 007 of America, well, you know, of the U.S.
3: To, to be precise, they're recruited by the CIA because the CIA is too wimpy yeah. to <laughs> contain guys like this. Right. They're... Super double secret yeah. government. <laughs> what was this one called? This
1: was what this, uh, this was the destroyer. This was based off the destroyer series. Yeah, which this was
2: oh the special organization was known as Cure. Cure never yeah. found out what Cure stood for, but it was Cure.
3: You know the Cure. You know the only the, the when when the government has a big problem, they're the Cure. That's, that's right. That's what it is. You know?
2: Cure. Exactly. i got to
3: say, those that, those computers they have back in the 80s are very powerful. I mean, I, I don't know if the NSA can pull some of that stuff off in real time like those things are doing. <laughs>
2: Jeez.
1: Well, you know, the thing was is that this is uh, – and just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, we, this is what we refer to as one of our uh, uh, maybe once a month or every other month schlock editions. This is not something that – uh, that is highly recommended that you go out and see if you – let's put it this way. If you've got nothing else to do, let's put it this way. Say you're painting your basement <laughs> and you have a TV down there and this is streaming, put it on because, I mean, you're not going to miss anything. Uh, like I said, you can go make – you don't even have to go make a ham sandwich. You can go make a pot roast, and you're not going to miss much, okay? So, uh, but, you know, to be honest with you, I, I'm not dogging it that bad because it is fun. It's entertaining. Um, it has its moments. It, it has its moments. And uh, to be honest with you, I think I mentioned it uh, in uh, a couple of podcasts ago. Uh, the guy that plays Chun, the Korean dude, actually is not Korean. His name is Joel Gray. And um, he, he He's acts, an incredible an incredible dancer, an incredible
2: musician, an incredible singer.
3: I mean, he was in Cabaret. Yeah. Know, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's been around, he's been a big, especially in the musical realm, a big player since probably the late 50s, early 60s. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: See. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: And, and then he shows up. And it's, I, I, it, I did not see this means, although how I didn't, I don't know. I mean, I can remember talking to guys where it was, I, I mean, I can remember having conversations vaguely where it's like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, Remo Williams is coming out. And then, like, within a week, it's like, eh, can uh, you, you don't have to really rush out to see it. Uh, yeah. You know, catch when it comes out on uh, you know, DVD or cable
1: or whatever. <laughs> or, or, so or wait 40 years, wait till it streams on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. on, on YouTube, even. Yeah. The best part of this movie was Joel Gray. And, Mark, that's it. You're, you're absolutely right. He, he stole the movie. He stole the movie. Um, to be honest with you, watching Fred Ward in this movie, you would have thought it was his first role.
3: Which is, yeah. it's sad because if you look at Fred Ward, I like Fred Ward. I do too. And Fred Ward did a lot of stuff I like, but like he was sort of on the trajectory in the early 80s to make The Breakout to be a leading man, and then it's like, and then he did this movie. Yep. And his it's like this thing threw his whole career off. You know that that's a good point, Ken. I I mean he
1: was, because gosh, I mean he was doing. I mean, well, oh, he, he was in the, the right, right stuff. He did the right stuff. He was in Silkwood. He was in Co- Uncommon Valor, um, Southern Comfort. He was in Southern yeah. Comfort. Remember, gosh, that's an old one we did. Remember, we yeah. had to, we actually had to do that off of YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, we had to yeah. do that for YouTube. So I mean, he was doing, oh, he, and he was also in. Actually, you know the one that we really need to do, guys. Uh, Steve from, uh, from Alcatraz. He was in that too. Yes, yeah, that's right. He was. So, so
3: he was getting into. Yep. He was doing a, a lot of uh, in, in in these 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 you know group movies where he was a key guy. He wasn't yeah. the star, but he was like a key guy. And you know, like I said, I thought he was he could have made the breakthrough. It's the right movie. He could have become like a Schwarzenegger-esque guy, I, I'm betting. But, again, this movie came out, and in Hollywood, you do a bomb. And, and they put a lot of money in. man high hopes for this thing. It just didn't go anywhere.
0: Right. I
3: think they held that against him. Sort of had a lull in his career, and then he built it back up. Uh, I mean, that's a, a thing. We, we could have done schla- I mean, if we had been, you know, what we should have done, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I wasn't here when we picked up this movie, but if we want a schlock Fred Ward movie, we should have done Tremors.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's a great schlock. That's a positive schlock movie.
1: Yeah. Well, but that was the thing. He was doing Tremors because at that point he realized, I ain't got nothing left. I've got to pull this stuff right. off. And here and here's the thing, and you guys brought up a good point. <laughs> This was a period of time, especially during the '80s and I think the early '90s. If you're on, like you said, Ken, that upward trajectory, and you're you're the guy, you're you're getting noticed. That yeah, you screw one goat, and you're out. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that it that doesn't that doesn't seem to happen now. I mean, you've got look at the number of just complete bombs that go in Hollywood now with major star actors, doesn't affect them at all. But I, you're right. I think this movie sunk him because I always said before, Fred Ward, I could see him. He was going to be like the next kind of Charles Bronson type looking guy. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. really had a, a persona, a presence about him. And I think what was bad about this is, and, and I don't know if it was just the way he was directed or what, but you would have swore that this was like his, his – intro role that he'd never acted before he just really came off very stiff very i don't know i i, I was not impressed with it i think he was that's just the way this was yeah. written. was yeah. okay maybe well then then he didn't okay he had
2: nothing to work with in this role yeah
1: you're right yet joel gray like you said i mean right. this guy steals the movie i mean the whole really when you think about it this whole freaking movie kind of you go back to him. You actually stop doing. You, you stop making the pot roast to watch when girl, Joel Gray's on the scene, and then oh, when yeah. he's not, then you leave. You're like, okay, there's nothing else to see. When he's oh, <laughs> oh,
2: wait, he's he's done. He's done uh, watching the soap opera on his TV. Okay, yep. <laughs> Time to leave. I yeah. mean, he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant in this movie. I was going to say the only other actor to watch
1: in this movie is Wilford Brimley playing. Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Well, I mean, he plays always the same type of character. I mean, you 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 hire him for what he is.
3: Yeah. He, he basically. I mean, he. I think a couple years before this, he had done uh, the thing. Yep. Where he plays a very similar guy, <laughs> Absence of Malice. He's actually. I think his big breakthrough role was Absence of Malice with uh, the Paul uh, Newman. Paul Newman and yes, um, yes Sally, Sally Field. Sally Fields, which is a good movie, and he played a. I mean, he had a great role in that. But, yeah, he was, when he did this, I mean, he broke through in the late 70s. I mean, he did Banger on Hollywood for a long time.
2: When he did the natural. Yeah. He did a lot of those kind of
3: things.
2: Yeah, good character actor. Good character actor. Gruff, fatherly kind of guy.
3: Yeah. I mean, this is a role, the role he had, if it was just a couple years later, they would have probably gotten Fred Thompson to do it.
1: Yeah, right. Well, and the thing about Wilford Brimley, when you mentioned him about uh, being in the thing, it, it was like it took me the longest time. You know, even as I got older, then uh, I had the you know the VHS and stuff like that. I'm like, oh shoot, that's that, that's Wilford Brimley. When you take that mustache off him, I have no idea who the hell that is. I mean, the only thing that gives him away is the voice. You're just like, God, that voice is familiar. Who is that? Oh, dude, that's the, uh, you know, that's diabetes. So that, that
3: must he, he, he always sported that sort of big old wall of his mustache.
1: Well, he didn't have it in the thing, though. That was no. right. Yeah, right. That's what threw you off because he didn't have it there, so he looks completely different. And, uh. You know, like I said, I mean, I know how it is. I mean, I grow my beard. I've got the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm three weeks in now, so I'm starting to look a little bit like Grizzly Adams. But, uh, it's, you know, you shave off that facial hair and it's, com- you completely transform your face. Well, a, a good example is that's what they did here in Remo Williams. You know, in, uh, he, you know, he's the New York cop. You know, he's got that big ass freaking mustache. You know, they shave off the mustache. What did you do to my face? Well, the, well, we we had to change it. No, you just shaved off the mustache. You still look the same, <laughs> and you took the prosthetic nose off. Oh, I didn't even notice that part. Oh yeah. Oh, did he have the? Did he have? A, oh, the, well, see, that's the other. That is the other major uh, facial thing that you can modify to totally change how you look is your nose. Yeah, they had the boxer nose.
3: I have yeah. to say, not mentioning the beginning of this movie, I got two points, and that is those had to be some of the. Worst stage fight (laughs) scenes, where it's like you can tell. I mean, they're pulling their punches, and you can see how they've got the camera staged to make it look like they're making contact. And what made it even better for me was I was watching it on uh, streaming on Netflix, but for some reason, the sound was slightly
2: off. Oh, yeah. And
3: it was, yeah. you had an effect like an old uh, Enter the Dragon or a through movie from the 70s. And so the whole movie was like that for me, which made it, you know, a little cheesier than it had to be. But the other part is I do a little bit of i uh, I'm involved a little bit in the recruiting function at, at the uh, mid sized Midwest corporation that I work at. And, you know, I, I, I found a few tips that help when you're recruiting people. But shoving them into a harbor and then performing plastic surgery under duress, I guess it works. I, I think we're going to try it next week. No, that, I mean, that that was a part that got me. It was the very beginning. They get, they're trying to make it all big and tense. And for all I know, they're pulling it, you know, off of the, you know, books. I don't know. But, you know, never what, why? I mean, okay, if I'm, a, if I'm, recruiting elite operatives, just grabbing some random cop off the streets isn't where I'm gonna go.
1: Well I don't think they were grabbing a random cop. I think they had their eye on him, but it's you're right. I mean the whole process and you know setting him up, putting him in the river, you know, then they had
3: the whole funeral. Well who the hell were they burying? I mean, so well, nobody it's you know so it would what the would whole perturbed me if all of a sudden somebody against my will said, okay you can no, you know, you no longer exist. You're, you're, you're you no longer have a family or friends. You're going to do what we're going to tell you to do. I would be going like, eh. I guess I'm a deadly killer, so I'll kill you. I mean, you well, know, I don't, I don't need this.
1: I don't know if there's bourbon and babes involved, I'm whatever. I'm, I'm in.
3: Well, I guess the destroyer does learn tips of seduction and everything else, which he puts to use later in the book. So I have, maybe it's worth
2: it. That's the other thing about this movie, because you know, when it came out, you're like, oh, okay, he can swing from this and that. Well now any mediocre superhero agent can can do nine ninety percent more than what Remo could do in this movie. And it was like well, that's all he's doing? He's doing a circus act.
3: Uh okay. Well, well I'm spoiled by CGI.
1: Right. Well but you gotta remember basically his his big claim to being able to do anything was dodge bullets. That was it. I mean, right. he could. That was right. it. But outside of that, you know, he was just pretty much the average guy. I mean, well, hell, the, I mean, those guys on the frickin', uh Statue of Liberty almost took his ass out. Right. You know, he's free. And that was the thing that gets me. I was like, he's freaking out up there. Those guys are climbing around like you know, monkeys. monkeys. Like, oh, we can we can handle this. Is like, okay, dude, you're you've been training with Chun, the master right. of. Shinanzu. is that it shenanzu like yeah something like that so and and all of a sudden you got a bunch of freaking you know local 165 iron workers kicking your ass dude come
2: on right
1: <laughs> grow a pair right. go, grow a pair stop stop whining like a little baby and swinging on the thing go go kick their ass because they're obviously not afraid but you know it looked I there were times on that thing that's what I couldn't understand it's like okay you're doing all this training with you know, with Chun, and you're in your, I mean, you can run across a freaking building edge and you're fine, but you get up there and you're ready to shit your pants. I didn't get it. I don't know that. Right. But hey, anyway, yeah, but I think that was the thing. There was some of the writing just didn't fit. Um,
3: well, the other thing was they, they, they spent a lot of time building this master mentee relationship with Chun. I mean, he's playing the, Joel Gray is playing the stereotypical. Asian martial arts master teaching the apprentice how to you know do things. Of course Ward's playing the lump that doesn't believe in it, but, but comes to learn the math. comes to respect and follow the master's teaching. But it just takes forever. Well we don't
2: even see any martial arts. All we see is walk along the top of a building. I mean there you never see a scene where he's training him in martial arts either. Actually he's running on a beach or he's
1: doing his high wire act. Yeah, but I think part of it was is that you know I think from what he was uh, talking about, it wasn't all about the martial arts. It wasn't about the fighting. It was more you know that whole all you got to do is just boom, hit this pressure point, immobilize, do this. I mean, because that whole initial scene when yeah. Fred Ward has to go kill Chun. You know, he doesn't right. realize that's the guy he has to whack, and he goes in there, and, and, you know, he's just, you know, Chud's not doing anything. I mean, he's just basically, you know, you'd see one little move, and boom, you know, Fred Ward's flying across the room. And, you know, it's just, it's, it was that, it, it wasn't the martial arts that we think of today in terms right. of those kind of movies. This was.
3: It was a martial arts that we think of it then. I mean, in, by the mid-'80s, we had the whole repertoire of, Hong Kong Kung Fu cinema. Right. So right. That.
1: Well, and they talk about in the trivia, it's like, you know, this whole quote-unquote martial art that they talk about, in This it doesn't exist. There is no such thing. <laughs> I mean, it's not, there is no...
3: It, it's, it's a literary effect. I mean, the writers, yeah. the book have it so that any time they need him to do something, it's like, well, we need him to, uh, you know, climb the building like a spider. Well, the, the, the martial
2: art teaches them that, you know. Well then, evidently the Do- the Dobermans were were also learning from Chun. because they were because
3: clearly they were smarter than me. Right? Clearly, the Dobermans should have been recruited as agents. They, yeah, they were doing stuff, and I'm like, damn, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, <laughs> those yep. Dogs, those dogs are masters.
1: Right? They were.
3: Right. Thank huh. you. I'm like, oh my god, Chun needs
1: to get the dogs. Well, the thing it is is that, like I said, it's you know he you know he got cr- recruited into this super secret organization to uh, what did they say? You have to uh, you know we're going to go out and get the guys that the Justice Department can't get because we don't have evidence. You know, but that's what they talk about. It's like you know we're gonna we're gonna be the ones that go behind the scenes. But then again, later on in the show they say, well, we can't do this now because we don't have enough evidence. Well then, shit! Right. What the hell are you guys around for? I mean, just let the FBI do it by the book. I mean, you've got this super secret group that's supposed to be behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's one of those big plot hole things in there. But I, the super secret, and there's three of you, right? Well, excluding Chun, and excluding the two divers that went down and got Remo out. Oh, of Oh yeah, them too. Yeah, you forgot They're about the
3: contractors.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> obviously you know who they were they were the co-founders of halliburton oh gosh um okay i mean guys i just want to kind of throw it out there i, I don't want reviews but just what do you think of this movie in the context of the 80s because that's what i kind of see this as i i, I think they were looking for i think they were looking for something to to they were looking for a schwarzenegger type Franchise. Yes, that, that exactly. And I mean, this thing just literally. I think what first week face planet. It
3: did. Yeah,
1: how much did this thing make? It cost,
2: but only made fourteen million in the box office. Yeah. Well, well God, mean, how much?
1: Well, that's actually for for nineteen what nineteen eighty.
3: That's respectable for eighty five. You know, when you're coming in saying we're we're, I'm sure the. Studio had this pitched and budgeted with the idea that, again, we are going to go, this is going to be our Schwarzenegger. Right. And it's, it didn't go anywhere. I mean, I mean it, it, didn't, it didn't get nearly there.
2: And even Dick Clark had put his name behind this thing.
3: Well, yeah, yeah it was his name. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just for context, uh, you know, speaking of franchises, uh, Rambo, First Blood Part Two came out in the same year. Where this movie, where where Rima Williams did about fifteen million, it did hundred fifty million. Well, obviously, okay. There, well, <laughs> well,
2: you know, you also had the Beverly Hill Cops franchise. You had the Lethal Weapon franchise. Yeah. So Were they similar. all coming
1: off the that same year?
2: Well, they all came out in the eighties.
3: Similar, yeah. similar time, similar frame. time yeah.
2: frame. But the you know the thing was, and and it's evident in this movie is this movie's dull. What, this it, movie just drags there's no action right and you and, and and the bad guy is oh he's a greedy mean corporate bastard oh wow and 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 the one guy we're supposed to square off and have the big fight with with Remo well Remo basically face plants him and then uses his diamond tooth to carve his way out <laughs> of the problem
3: was, that was original like, that, well, that's it. That's why I said at the beginning: it's the, the writing, the writers let this down. It had lots of potential. Had a, you know, the, the cast was a good cast, but they just weren't given much to work with. And you know, what they thought was slam bam action was, in retrospect, pretty boring. Again, the build, the villain was not compelling. It's you know, it's, it's well, and the
2: story was muddled. Okay, so we're chasing this guy because of government. He's swindling the government. Out well, of yeah. Star Wars contract money.
1: Yeah, and you're right, Mark. That's. That, I think that's really what made this movie dull was the fact that, you know, your villain was, it, he wasn't exciting. You know, it's, right. some, it's some corporate dude. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he was
3: having a 25% markup on his contracts. Right. 18%. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, oh, my God, you know.
2: Yeah, all you I mean, had to do is just Ken, as you know, and and Steve, just send in the auditors. I mean, It
3: would have been over. <laughs> yeah, Holy send
2: them, crap, the auditors are here.
1: Yeah, send in the RRS. You don't need Remo, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean that that's really what kind of dragged this whole you, you, this whole. A thing good
3: went. superhero needs to have a worthy adversary. This movie didn't provide a worthy adversary.
1: Correct. Excellent point. Very good point. Outstanding. And, you
3: know, and I, I'm gonna just put in a plug. You know. I feel sorry for Kate Mulgrew. I mean, she's a fine actress, but she had a thankless role in this movie, and it was, she did what she could with it, but, uh, I mean, she wasn't the female, you know, love interest. She wasn't the action interest. She was just sort of like. Irrelevance? I mean, again, irrelevance? There's, there's a cost overrun, and I'm gonna go down to the bottom of it. I think Wait, the word you're looking
1: it? for is irrelevant.
3: <laughs> I'm going to say she was relevant, but it was just... No, no, Steve, I, I think you're on something. What was that word again? I think it's called irrelevance. Thank you. Yeah, if, yeah. you could have carved her whole thing out, and the movie wouldn't have suffered, really. No. No, no and that's sad, because she's a fine actress. And... and that's it. It's not a knock against
2: her. She... Yeah. She took what role they gave her, and she plotted along with it. Yeah, I mean, she didn't do an awful job. She just had an awful
1: role. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know who Kate Mulgrew is, she was the captain in Star Trek Voyager. Oh,
3: Janeway. And a variety of other roles.
1: Yeah, I've never. I have never watched Voyager. I've, I've watched um, uh, the Shisa. Uh, next Generation, and I was going to start watching Voyager, and then I got hooked on something else. So.
2: You didn't miss anything. Really? No.
1: Well, that ran for quite a while, so I had to figure it had to have had something.
2: Yeah, well, it had. It was the only Star Trek out there.
1: Oh, all right. Yeah, now I've heard Enterprise is pretty much just, you might as well just go drink bleach. Uh, but. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Which so. is too bad because it's got some good actors in it. So, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, I tell you what, guys. I'm going to jump over to a little bit of trivia. There's not much on here, and there's some <laughs> of this, yeah, and there's some of the stuff I, huh. I do want to, um, I do want to mention just real quick. Uh, let's see. Uh, some of the actors who are just, oh Yeah. Some of the actors. Mark, did you get my text? You saw how much of that uh, bullet <laughs> I.
3: So. Uh, you would, don't say don't say that hard word. Say went out for.
1: <laughs> yeah, there we go. Some of <laughs> some of the actors who auditioned for the part of Remo Williams claimed to be proficient in the martial art of Shinanju, not realizing it was a fiction derived from the Destroyer novels on which the movie was based. So, I'm
3: wondering who else went out for it.
1: I don't know. I'm guessing. You know, it'd be funny if Steven Seagal was one. I would just. Chuckling. Steven
3: Seagal! Steven Seagal! <laughs> Steven Seagal would have been great in this. Yes, he oh actually God.
1: would have been. And he would have been the perfect bad guy for it. Well, you know, they're all going, thank God I didn't get that role. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing, too, because this is this is during the height of the Steven Seagal movies. And it, Steven Seagal! <laughs> and it goes back to... This movie just didn't have the action. When you look at the the 80s, I think, and this is something we'll have to talk about a little bit later. I mean, the 80s really were the decade of the ultra action movies.
3: They were. I mean, this movie had tons of potential, but they spend. It's it's an origin movie, number one. I mean, obviously, I mean the title tells you, but unlike a lot of other origin movies, like, let's say, you know, how many, how many Spider-Man origin movies there been lately? Three, four? Where they punch it up with lots of action, they just spend a whole lot of time with, you know, they're you know, doing expositions on this or that or what they do, and then you have all those scenes of him balancing on a pole or walking on a ledge, and, you know, the master teaching him the arts, and I mean, about half the movie is just pretty dull stuff like that. And by the time you start getting a little bit of action, again, you're going up against this, you know, hapless mook of a CEO that really doesn't do that much to threaten you. It just doesn't reach out and grab you like, not that it's a great movie, but you know, the closest, the, the closest I can come to it is Commando. Same epic, same basic sort of storyline sort of, but, at no, least Commando jumped right in there, even if you had guys wearing chainmail t-shirts. I mean, it was <laughs> it, it, it was action-packed. Well,
2: look right. at Under Siege. We reviewed Under Siege. Yeah. And it, it, technically, a schlock movie. Right. Now, it came, it came out eight, eight years later, but nonetheless, everybody, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the roadhouse of, of those kinds of movies. You will stop at me. If it's on, you'll stop and watch yeah,
3: Absolutely. I mean, if, correct me if I'm wrong. This, the idea to do this movie was Steve's idea, right? I am. I'm, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying, I, I believe it was you that brought it up.
1: I take full, and, I take full responsibility.
3: Yeah, I think, would, would it be fair to say that this was just fond memories of your youth and, you know, schlock movies of your youth is what brought this up, and that you hadn't seen it for a long time? You,
1: Ken, you, you pretty much hit on the head. Yeah. I was, um, let's see, I was a junior in high school sophomore junior somewhere around there um and and i remember seeing it and was like yeah yeah it wasn't bad um but but i think it's now i look back and it's like oh gosh i remember that movie and like i said i think this is one of those where you know we we want to throw a schlock movie out there every once in a while for the listeners um you know to kind of see i mean there's i I do have standards i mean there are some that i'm never going to put out there but um You know, know, this is definitely one of them.
2: The thing is, to your
1: point, Steve,
2: and it's kind of nostalgic when you watch the cars and watch the see the computers and the way they dress and the action sequences. Part of it. it, Don't get me wrong. I'm not defending it. But there's a certain nostalgia for that period when this was considered kind of a, a they were throwing a lot of these movies out to say. Okay, is this going to be the next um, series? Right. And there were a couple, there were a number of these, like Time Rider and stuff like that.
1: Were all out there, right? And and Mark, I oh, think yeah. he, and Mark, you really hit it right there for me. I mean, yeah, I talked about this one because it's and I think when I first brought it up, yeah, we have to do this. And I remember because to be honest, I probably haven't seen the movie in bright. 25 years, and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's do Remo Williams, and I remember after sitting here watching and doing the stuff, Pi, I'm like, oh, shit, what did I do, because <laughs> I mean, it. I think it had better memories sure. than I did, but it, it is because of the stuff that you brought up, it's like, it's the memories that you think of, you know, the way they look, uh, the, like it'll the, be
3: interesting to see if there's any listeners who have fond, fond memories of this, and this, they appreciate the podcast for what it is. Yeah, because I mean I don't get the idea this is a worthless movie, but oh. it's a it's, it's a disappointing movie. It, well, here's to how me. I because I, I never saw it ever.
1: All right, gentlemen, uh, let's see. It is uh, it's about that time for uh, brother. What you drinking? And uh, let's see, what, Mark. We're gonna have to start off with you. I can't. No, I can't right. go first, obviously. No. So obviously.
2: All right. I was out east recently. In the Fredericksburg, Virginia area, uh, doing research on a book I'm working on and hitting, uh, six battlefields in four days. And there's a local brewery out there called, in Fredericksburg, called the Blue and Gray Brewing Company. And they had the big one six fluid ounce beers. So I picked up three different varieties. So tonight's variety is their American Pale Ale. And it's a standard pale ale. Um, very tasty, uh, nice, kind of a rye, a little bit of a rye overtone with a good hoppy flavor. Um, very nice beer. I've, you know, it's, it's like so many places now have very good local brew, brew pubs. And this is a nice, uh, nice American pale ale, um, bitey without being overly hoppy, more of a rye flavor, nice color Nice golden color, uh, almost almost a wheat beer color. But, uh, yeah, so Blue and Gray Brewing Company. If you live out in that neck of the woods, you're probably familiar with it. Tasty beer. Glad I uh, picked it up, and I'll, I've got
1: two more different beers of theirs to sample. So there you go. Very nice. like it. Didn't realize you're out of Easton. Didn't realize you're working on a new book.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I hit one, two, six battlefields in four days. Holy cow. Fredericksburg, Chancellorsville, second first and second Manassas wilderness in Spotsylvania. And spent half a day in the um, Park Service headquarters at Chatham Manor doing research. So
1: Oh yeah, and by the way, happy birthday, I forgot. Uh, oh, and by the way, happy birthday. <laughs> I know. We're like what we're a yeah. week we're a week at what, we're four week. years apart or something. Yeah, like scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes,
2: yes.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, oh, you're you're welcome. Your
2: uh, is waiting for you when I come up.
1: I bet. All right. Let's see. What do we got here? Um, Mr. Rum Chata. No, no. It's my turn. Oh, okay. Rumchada is always last. Okay. I am drinking something that looked pretty good. I have no idea who these guys are. Oh, oh, no. We've had these guys before. It's from the Boulevard Brewing Company. And from Kansas City, Missouri, it's one of those, uh, like, half wine bottle things. Oh, yeah. And, um, Mark, when I give you the ABV on this, you're probably wondering how I can uh, even st- still be running this podcast. And I'm wondering myself, and I think I probably need to have help. But, anyway, this is called the Sixth Glass Quadruple Ale. Like in the Belgian quadruple? Yep. Yep, yeah, it's one pint, nine point four fluid ounces, and counting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of potent. Yeah. Well, how is it as a quadruple? Because you start to get into some chewiness. To be honest with you, this one's actually pretty good. Is it? Um, it's not. Uh, you know, it's not kicking my teeth in. It's. I mean, it's it's a little sweet, but. I mean, if you like a little sweetness in your in your beers, that, that's okay. Okay. And? Um, it's got a nice aftertaste. There's no backbite. I, I like it. And, uh, well, brace yourself, gentlemen. This one comes in at an ADV of, hold on, I have to focus, 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ten point five ABV. Oh and so it's not burning the back of your throat? No, actually it is I'll tell you what, this one here, the, the the scary thing about this, you could sit there and drink this, it could sneak up on you. Um Really? Yeah, it's it is is really not that harsh. Uh, I might go out and get a couple more of these tomorrow. Where did you find these? Kroger. They're sitting right there in the uh, the, the special, uh, well, our Kroger went on this mm-hmm. major renovation thing, and they've uh, really gone to town on their uh, liquor thing there. And I'm like, eh, whatever. To be honest with you, okay, full disclosure. I was looking for something that I could ring the Godzilla bill. So I was looking for anything 9% or higher. And I saw 10.5. I just grabbed it. I, didn't even, I, I it, This thing could have said Dragon Piss. I would have grabbed it. <laughs> so um, so when I got home, I'm like quadruple. I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. This thing's going to kick my ass tonight. But, no, it's, it's actually pretty good. I, I really do like it. Um, I'm going to get more. Uh, again, Boulevard Brewing Company, Kansas City, Missouri. Um, uh, the website uh, for those of you who are interested is www.smokestack.boulevard.com. So, it. Uh, um, yeah. So, if you guys are interested in that one or the Boulevard stuff, is there you go. And I highly recommend it. It's pretty good. I'm enjoying it's it. Pretty smooth. It's very smooth. I mean, I mean, you saw how much of the bullet I put away, and I'm doing that, and I'm still somewhat coherent. So. Yeah. You um.
2: You uh. Yeah, I got that text. Yeah,
1: wow, ding! You rang
2: the bell on the bullet. Is that rye or bourbon? I couldn't. No, that bell. that's the
1: that, No, that's bourbon. Uh, okay. I I didn't get the rye. That are bourbon.
2: that I for for full disclosure for the audience, the the bullet bourbon is actually very good, and it's not a um, it's it's not that expensive.
1: Yeah, it's not a top shelf bourbon. It no. is a solid bourbon. This is not something that let's put it this way. It's not one that you're going to want to use for a mixer. No, it, it's it's a solid bourbon. You want to yeah. you, you want to sip it, rocks, straight, whatever. But um, but the rye is very good. But the rye the thing with it is the rye is a little bit sweeter. So if you don't like a sweeter bourbon and the rye, yeah, their rye is good. Yeah, the ryes really good. Um. Without further ado. It's now time for Catching Up with Ken. All right, Ken, what do you got? What's the highlights?
3: Yeah, let's see. Uh, It's been a few weeks since I've been on. Uh, So back several weeks ago, I took a short trip to Chicago and visited the Field Museum.
2: I love the Field Museum.
3: I had never been to the Field Museum. Oh, are you kidding? I was in there all day. Oh, yeah. I went in in there thinking I'm going to go to the Field Museum and the Planetarium and the Aquarium, which is all right next door. And I went into the Field Museum. and I saw maybe 60% of it. It Took me all day. But tons of stuff. They had a very nice traveling exhibit on the Vikings. Did you see Uh, the shrunken (laughs) heads? No, I didn't see the shrunken heads. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I was going to say you missed the Shrunken Heads. Oh, the Where are the bad Shrunken bad. Heads? Yeah. the, the South the Southern no, Pacific, they're thing Africa.
2: They're the African section.
3: I didn't get into that section. Oh, I mean, I saw the I dinosaurs, and I saw the Chinese stuff, and the 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 you know the fossils. I didn't get into the Egypt section. Oh, there's mummies out your ass. I again, I went there and I decided I'm, I'm going to be back. Field Museum is a great museum, uh, and also it's right there by the aquarium and by the planetarium. It's a right it's on the south end, south end of downtown. Uh, my original plan had been I was going to I was going to be up that way for work, so I figured, well, I'll just take Friday off and go to Chicago and I'll get a, a room and like spend a couple days in downtown Chicago. But there was like the game, you know, season was starting and all this stuff. You could not get a room for less than five hundred dollars in Chicago. I was like, eh, "I'll just drive home. I'm not gonna, sorry, I'm not gonna do this." But I am gonna go back. It was fun. Uh, so yeah, I like museums, and the Field Museum is great. After that, you know, lots of work. Last weekend, I did my Bar of the Month Club at La Mulita, which is a nice bar attached to the restaurant called Delicia on College. Lamelita, sort of a, mex- uh, a upscale, urban, cool, hip fusion Mexican bar, and I had said I thought they had some very good food. The drinks were all great. Had a nice mix of people. Some I hadn't seen for a while, so it was kind of nice. And uh, then Saturday night, I, I, actually Saturday and Sunday, I went down to uh, the Vincennes area. A friend of mine's got a there's a family farm down there. We had a about forty people down for a big out. I uh, had, had the bonfire, went on a hayride, went hiking, went shooting. I didn't get the shooting in. I took my gun, but by the time I got there, it was already done. I uh, had a massive breakfast the next day of sausage, gravy, and biscuits, mm. which I dearly loved, and uh, then came home, and uh, basically, that's been that. Uh, tonight, I went after work to the uh, brass ring, which isn't a, a strip club in case you didn't know. And uh
2: come on. It's all right. You
3: can, you can admit it. It's a strip club. It's not a strip club. And I also went to the Stutz building and took out a little bit of the uh First Friday art stuff tonight. So not not great. But the thing I love about the Stutz building is that's where they made the old Stutz cars. And they got a nice exhibit of the Stutz, all the Stutz production run is inside. They got you know restored versions of it. And my grandmother worked there when they were making Stutz Bearcats in that place. So Really? Yeah. She was a secretary down there. So, yeah, before she got married. Uh, so, anyways, that's been what's up with me. And I'm drinking a vanilla vodka and Diet Coke.
2: Very nice. Yeah, the Field Museum, Steve, you agree? One of the best museums ever.
1: Yep, I, I could tell you guys. Um, well, again, we're Hoosiers, but uh, well, I grew up in the region, so we kind of consider ourselves a suburb of Chicago. But uh, be honest with you, uh, the few Museum, the Planetarium, and the Aquarium. I mean, there's yep. you. You could pretty much you could pretty much book a week in yep. Chicago, go see those three places, and have time to spare to go to some of the most fantastic. Bars and restaurants in Chicago. Yep. Um, it's, it, uh, Chicago, be honest with you, I mean, I've got my issues with Illinois, but uh, Chicago, I've always, I, I yep. love Chicago. It, and it's, the
2: Museum it's, of Science and Industry, where and the U505 is. Yep,
1: absolutely. I mean, there is right. there is so much to see there. I mean, I honestly, mean, I,
3: Actually, last time I went to see the Field Museum was on your wedding day,
2: Mark. Yep, I remember.
3: We, Rick and I stopped off there on the way up, and that's why we were running late for the wedding, it had sort of knocked Paige out of the way when she was standing, getting ready yeah, that, to walk up the aisle.
2: My, my wife still appreciates that. That's why you're yeah. never invited for Thanksgiving. Get though. out of
3: the way. Get out of the way. we got to get our seats. That train's blocking our access. You know. Right. That but no. Uh, How rude! All
1: right, guys, that is it with uh, Brother What You Drinking and catching up with cans. Now we're going to move on to clips. Clips are our favorite part of the show, and I just lost my clips. Son of a bitch. <laughs> this happens every single time. This is terrible. I, we meant to discuss that with you, yeah. I did. All right. Uh, let's see. We have, uh, okay, It again, guys, remember I recorded this about a week ago, and I forgot what all this stuff is, and I, I was, like, putting different uh, name tunes on these things. So this one is What the Fuck? WTF uh-huh. yeah what the fuck what is this sound so oh that's right that's when remo was stepping on the hand of the guy that was trying to kill him that was the most horrible sounding whatever so there you go that that's what it is all right number 2 i'm Harold Smith i'm the head of the organization that just recruited you <laughs> you call it
0: dumping me in the river and reshuffling my face recruitment?
3: Yep. It works. Well there you go. That's why I'm recommending it to the our executive leadership. I'm riding the metal up when I get into work Monday.
1: All right, uh let's see, number three. This is a wonderful country, my boy, but our legal system doesn't work the way it's supposed to. You're talking about people who roam the halls of power with impunity who corrupt and subvert the very principles
2: our Constitution exists to uphold.
3: Look, your friend already gave me the Gettysburg Address.
2: Oh, has he? Here's another one. Guard, protect, and cherish your land, for there is no afterlife for a place that started out as heaven.
1: I like that. I I really like that quote. It's probably my favorite one of the whole movie. That's probably some of the best. Writing in the movie. Yep, yep. Somebody had that's to, in the first twenty minutes. Yep. All right. Uh, all right. Now we're going. We're going to get into the uh, really good clips where tune is involved. And just so you know, folks, this is not a politically correct <laughs> um, podcast. Oh, it's not politically correct movie. So we're just going to go with it. And
3: I, I, I think under the rules of modern. Heat, see, this would not be a microaggression. This would be a macro aggression. Pretty- all right,
2: let's go all in. Shove the chips in, baby.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And you know what? If anybody's listening to this show this long, you are not one of the delicate yeah. flowers that need a trigger warning, so yeah, here's your painting couch. Right. <laughs> Here you go. Well, John, what do you think? It's
0: very strong. His reflexes are critical. Pretty coordinated. He's in wretched physical condition, impetuous, and clumsy. He moves like a baboon with two crumb feet. Hey, can we say every
1: stereotype? Right, pretty much.
3: To show him ancient Chinese secrets, Calgon. I believe that's called Kaogon. Do you remember that commercial? Oh my oh, God! Yes. Oh, they would have been crucified oh, today
1: for having that commercial.
2: Oh yeah. Now you know. Here's the thing. I'm watching this movie, and two things jump to mind about production values, real quick. Because I was thinking about the fight scene in the in Chun's basement. A. This was shot on a low budget in a back lot and be like so many movies in the 80s this thing has that whole washed out fuzzy look to it yes just and I think that's part of what bothers me
1: about them it doesn't it doesn't hold up in the quality control department either right and even for that time it didn't so right all right uh, let's see next your reflexes are pitiful the seasons move faster.
0: No doubt the result of all that filthy poison you have been stuffing into your belly. Do you know why Americans call it fest food? Because it speeds them on the way to the grave. <laughs> As I feared, you have no sense of humor.
1: <laughs> what was that? That, <laughs> that was what? awesome. I think that was his way. That was probably... The, the maybe the third or fourth time in his entire life that he laughed. Oh my god! <laughs> that was awesome. Okay. Oh gosh! I know. I it, it, the theme of it is that the stuff that he did. Is, oh yeah. Oh gosh, he's awesome in this movie, especially right. when he's on his fingertips watching the watching old the old soap opera.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, that's, that's how I watch TV. Yeah. do you?
2: Oh yes, of course. All right, next.
0: It would be better for you to eat this can than what is inside of it. Why must everything in this country be covered with monosodium glutamate? You can't even say it. I can say rat droppings. It does not mean I want to eat them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> See, that, that? the thing
1: of it is, all the good writing was for him. There's, I mean, and I, I just... The thing of it is, is that all you have to do is get the quotes of Chun of this movie, and you would actually have a really good movie. They, so, if they had done a movie about Chun, oh, there you go. It would have been great. That—that's where they screwed up. Yep. So, all right, I love this part.
0: Yeah. Sex. Now you're cooking. I mean, maybe it's the breathing and the rice. Yeah. Turn thirty-six. Thirty-six. The twenty steps designed to bring a woman to sexual ecstasy. Though I personally have rarely found it necessary to go beyond seven to achieve bliss.
1: <laughs> what? I think it, I think that was that whole thing about like because he's been cooped up. He's he wanted to have women. And... Oh, I know. Oh. <laughs> I love that. I never had to go past seven. Uh, let's see. All right, uh, number eight. Even worse, you and the woman gorgeous yourself on streets. Excuse me, but I do
0: have a name. Women should stay home and make babies. Preferably, man-child. I see you both went to the same charm school.
1: <laughs> Break out the fainting couch. Oh my gosh, I should have gave a trigger warning. You should have. <laughs> I need to sit down. I forgot about that one. Well, part of it was is that it wasn't his comment. It was Kate Mulgrew's. the The way she looked right. at him and the reaction. <laughs> I mean, it was priceless. It's the thing of it is is that a lot of these quotes or the clips that we do, some of them you really got to see it in person because man, it, it's even <laughs> All right, all right. Last and certainly not least. when you hurt? No. When you approach middle age, there is a
0: tendency towards bruising my son. What? What did you call me? I call you a clumsy fool. <laughs> you drive like a monkey in heat! <laughs>
1: God, the acting on Fred Ward is so bad. I know. That's exactly what I'm getting at. It was horrific. You would have thought it was his first movie. I mean, and he's a good actor. He is. I mean, that's just it. That's where you're like, what was going on, dude? About, what? Ab-
3: about once a year, we do a movie where I just keep coming back and saying, I blame the movie writers.
2: right? Yes, Yes.
1: absolutely.
3: Oh, but it's. I mean, he's he's given a script and he's doing what he can with it, but it's there's not much there.
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, even that laugh. I mean, I know where Mark was coming. It's like the laugh was. The laugh was awful. Oh my gosh! I will say the one redeeming factor of the truck going off the
2: cliff, because Choon was in it, it didn't blow up. How rare for an '80s movie! that a vehicle yes, it, it, right does not explode for for some magical mystical reason but no. the thing,
1: but the part of it is that that's what's true is that cars just don't ignite right when they hit i mean it doesn't it doesn't work that way yeah it doesn't work that way
3: you know way. A, this just reminds me of a schlock movie that i think would be worth doing but it's a real schlock movie is top secret. Oh my god! Because you remember the scene in that where the vehicle, yeah. the truck, like slams on the brake and sl- and in slow motion, like taps the bumper of the Ford Pinto. Yes, Ooh. and then there's this massive fireball. Yeah. Yep. Well, in
2: Hot Shots, part two. Okay, maybe not.
3: Nah. Well, those are all, those are shock movies and they're, I, I they're better. I'd say they're better than this movie. They're funny. They're shock comedies.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Keep going, Steve. All right. Well, that is it with clips, ladies and gentlemen. So we are now moving on to top 10. The top 10. And it is the top 10 movies of 1985. I was, yes, I was a junior in high school just to give you some perspective on how old I am. What do we
3: got? Well, uh, there's a few odds and ends of things that were happening in 85. Uh, this was the year that Roger Moore stopped playing uh, James Bond and he was replaced by Timothy Dalton. It's the year Ferris Mueller's day off came out. But when it comes to the, the top ten, number ten, was an espionage thriller. Was, I, I liked it for its ultra-detail and attention to uh, you know, like you know, the the, 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 the finer things. Spies oh. Like Us.
2: God, <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh my I saw that in the theater thinking, how can I go wrong? It's got Chevy Chase Oh, my God. Dan wow.
1: Aykroyd. Oh, come on. It's that, not that bad. Oh, Gibson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: All right, Ken, continue.
3: Okay, I knew I'd get that reaction on the mark. Uh, number nine. A movie that has a fond place in the heart of many mutes from this era, the Goonies.
2: They're making the sequel. Why? Everybody's coming back. Well... Oh, really? That's
3: unique. That is unique.
2: They're all coming back. But,
3: yeah. The thing about the Goonies is, like, my sister loves the goodies. Because, like, yeah. she was a kid when it came out. I was an adult. You know, was like, it wasn't even on my radar screen. But
2: this my, my kids love the movie. Really? Oh, yeah. we We had a copy of it somehow. I don't remember. And they still love that movie. It's, just, it's, a, it's it's it's, a, it's Spielberg doing his Goofy fun best but yeah. he just was being goofy
3: it, I mean it's But I understand it's a good movie I, I, I've only seen bits and pieces of it uh, Moving on, number eight I kind of like this movie It's not awesome, but it's solid Witness
2: it Falls apart in the third act
3: Yeah, but Harrison Ford going into Amish country Is a different twist Yeah Okay Uh a sequel that's not as good as its original but it has a few moments The Jewel of the Nile
2: Romancing the Stone is a classic
3: Romancing the Stone is great yes Uh, Jewel of the Nile is is workmanlike is what it's there to
2: it's there to cash in yes
3: uh number six a movie which did quite well obviously did better than this movie uh one of the stars was Wilfred Brimley.
0: Cocoon.
3: Yeah, Cocoon was not aimed at my demographic. No.
2: No. That's your mom's demographic.
3: Pretty much back then,
2: yeah. Yep, yep.
3: Uh, but obviously there's a lot of people in that demographic. Oh, yeah. Number six on the top ten. Number yeah. five on the top ten. Another movie that was not aimed at my demographic or our demographic out of Africa
2: Uh, I took a date to see that movie
3: I understand many women really love it Uh, Robert Redford just is so dreamy of it
2: the only good thing I can say about that movie and I'm reaching is the cinematography is astounding it is but it's right up there with the English patient in Claw Your Eyes Out
3: it's Level very, very. It's in the same. Yeah, you're right. Uh, same feel. Awful. Okay, number four. Another movie which Mark did not love from the eighties. <laughs> the color purple. Uh,
2: never seen it. With a reason.
3: Oh yeah, we've we heard. It's, it is not aimed at male to
2: No. So far, the 1985 is not a good year.
3: You want me to, <laughs> you, you want a man named? Louisville? Yeah, yes, damn it! You want something that'll just knock your head off? Yes, damn it! Number three, yes. Rocky Four. Is that the one where we're boxing the Soviets? Yep. He <laughs> goes up against <laughs> Dolph Lundgren, who says, "I've been ridiculed." Well, don't forget not only Dolph,
2: but. The babe of dolls. What's her nuts?
3: The woman who was like seen as the hot hottie of the early 80s is yep. Regina Nielsen. Nielsen, yep. actually uh, got Sylvester Stallone to marry her without a prenup. Moron. That
2: movie.
1: <laughs> Moron in that movie. I you know, saw it in the theater. You know what? I, I just I'm just saying right now. Um, next lock movie we have to do oh. Red Sonia. That's there. You go. Got Bridget Nielsen. No, we don't. Yeah, no we, we don't. No, we don't. Sure. No, we don't. Okay. No, no
2: we really don't. No, we really don't.
1: Sorry. The uh, the sixth glass uh, quadruple ale is kicking in. <laughs> Continue, Ken. Ignore me.
3: Okay. Well, if, if Rocky IV knocking going to block off of a, a Soviet commie. You know, a slab of beef like golf wasn't manly enough for you. It wasn't explosive enough. It wasn't destructive enough. Number two would have satisfied you because it's Rambo. First Blood Part Two.
1: Ooh. Oh, there's a lot of... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... More meat than me. Year
3: for Sylvester Stallone.
1: Yes, absolutely. And
3: that's why I think when they did uh, Remo Williams, their hope was like, if we can only get like half of what Sylvester's going to do this year, we'll be doing great. Right.
2: You know what? If this had been Cobra, they would have been rethinking it.
3: <laughs> yeah, Cobra was pretty much. It humbled Stallone. <laughs> oh,
2: so, wait a minute. Number two was First Blood Part Two?
0: Yeah.
3: Oof. Number one. Is a movie that has a very close relationship with this month. I mean, what I'm saying is this month, October 2015. Yes. What is the movie? Didn't know there was going to be a quiz. Okay, moron. <laughs> it's Back to the Future. <laughs>
2: oh God.
3: I still want my damn hoverboard.
2: Oh wait, that's the second one. You know, where's our flying cars? That's Back to the future. too.
3: Where are you but no, Back to the Future. I love Back to. The, I love the whole Back to the Back Future to series. I mean, the uh, past of them's kind of weak, but I like them all. Oh, the first one
2: is a classic.
3: Yeah, and the second one's good too, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Third one again, kind of milking it is right out of steam.
2: Okay, so 1985 was not a great year for movies.
1: Not <sighs> based on that, it wasn't. Good Lord Almighty, that was terrible. Thank All you. Right. Well, there you go. Terrible, that is
3: terrible. Hang on, I got you, you got me. I gotta check
1: something. Nah, okay. We we we're moving
2: on the clip. We're moving on the clip. Yeah, we got to oh, go on okay, the checklist.
3: On. I was just gonna say, 85 was terrible. What was 86 like? I'm looking nah, at. Nah, like, nah. Yeah, it, it had its pluses.
1: <laughs> well, well, they, movies, we mm-hmm. said the top ten, and they you mm-hmm. <laughs> suck?
2: You have failed us for the last I that
1: time. Can't,
3: I can't. The facts are the facts. Yeah. Don't blame me.
1: All right, so there you go, folks. That is it. <laughs> Can you tell I've been drinking a ten point five percent quadruple?
2: <laughs> All right, we're, we're moving 10, on. What, to, what, Eleven tomorrow.
1: Yep, okay, well, we are moving on to the man cave movie review clips. No, not the clips. It's the uh, the checklist. Check. Oh, shit. Uh, the checklist of. Um, oh, who's in this thing? All right. Number one. <laughs> Did anyone jump out of a window?
3: Yes. He took the guy's tooth and. Oh, yeah. tore there you go. It. Boom. The, Boom, baby. And then smashed through the window. Boom. Yep. There you go. I mean, and I don't know why he he jumped, he jumped, he jumped jumped through that window, which actually one of the best window jumping scenes I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. It almost broke before he got there. Oh no, it definitely broke before he got there.
3: (laughs) Well, it was sugar glass. I mean, what do you want?
1: Yeah. So, all right. Number two.
0: If you want him, come and claim him.
1: Was there a Liv Tyler role in the movie?
3: It didn't even rise to Liv Tyler level. You know that
1: that actually that's what's bad. I mean, Liv Tyler actually had a role in Lord of the Rings. No, yeah, you're right. But,
3: no, sad again. I'm blaming the writers. It's like they've got this Ugh. thing all worked up, and then they go like, "Oh, well, we got to have a female character in here, with, like to get the women in the theater. So uh, let's just like throw something in there." Right. And, and to
2: to be clear, we're not knocking Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. No. She had an awful script to work with. She's fine. The role
1: is awful. Right. All right. Uh, Let's see. Number three.
3: Son of a bitch must pay.
1: Was there a son of a bitch in this movie, and did he pay? Yes. They're called the writers, and I hope they never got another job. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, them. And, yeah, and everybody else in the movie that was bad, did yeah,
3: I mean, uh, all the bad guys did get it in the
1: end. Yes. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Number four. <laughs> was there a Wilhelm scream in the movie? I didn't hear one. You know what? How the hell was right. there not a Wilhelm scream in this movie? That's actually almost blasphemy. Right. Thank you, God. Terrible. I was shocked. I was too. Hmm. All right. Let's see. Next.
0: Uh,
1: could the female role be better played by Tony Katane?
3: The male role could have been played better by Tony Katane.
1: <laughs> well, you know what, Mark? There, I'm sorry. Ken's got a point there. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah, it's the way this was written. That would have been
3: a whole different. That could have saved the movie. It, 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 I. Nineteen eighty-five. Tony Katane as a as a elite assassin. I, mean, I of course she'd have movie. to be dressed constantly in black she, spandex catsuits.
2: Yes, you're doing a little Femme Nikita there, huh?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of seeing a reboot here. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah it would be. It'd be a Femme Nikita.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Rena, yeah. Rena Williams. There you go. Rena. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm, I'm there. All right. Uh, how much money you guys got? Easy. Saga. We, we can, we can put the, we can get the production going. All right. Uh, let's see. Next. Was there a montage in this movie? They couldn't even muster that. Are you kidding? This whole movie, half this movie, was a montage. But
2: but it was so awfully done that you're like, they they, they don't deserve the honorific of a montage. <laughs> Just
1: Just it, yeah. I mean, you know what, marks marks really got a solid point. It really doesn't deserve the no. honorific. Nice. <laughs> Just. Oh, yeah, he's right. He's right. Uh, no, very well done. Mark, <laughs> thank you. Thank you Mark for Parker. saying it. Yeah, all right. All right, last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a Babylon 5 reference in this movie? Yes. Uh, Mark, it's all yours. I know who you got. Yes, Diamond
2: Mouth. Patrick Kilpatrick played Robert Carlson in the episode Convictions, which was the one with the Mad Bomber um, who was played by the guy who played in in, um, Freddy Krueger, who was Freddy Krueger, the actor. I can't remember the actor's name. But um, it was the classic episode in Babylon 5 where Londo and Jakar are trapped in the elevator. Yep. Oh, and yeah. Two fishies left in the sea, just two fishies, just you and me. Yes, he played some minor guy in in that episode. But that's it. And there were a ton of stuntmen in this movie, and I was shocked when I went through it that they were not in B5. But there's your B5 reference. Out. Very well
1: done. All right. Well, there you go, folks. That's the B5 reference. Now, we're going to go on to the Man Cave movie review of this great and fantastic film. We are? What do we? Oh,
2: I'm I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's
3: it. Um, Guys, um,
1: shit. Do we have to flip a coin or
3: do it? I think you should do it, Steve, because it was your idea. Yeah, I guess. Oh, God, it's up to me. All right.
1: Um, as we talked earlier in the show, this movie kind of brings back some of that nostalgic period of my, of my life when I was a young teenager and I saw this movie, I thought it was really cool at the time. Um, honestly haven't seen it since until I recommended it for the show. And then it's like, holy crap, this is really bad. But it's actually a very good schlock movie for the 80s. And to be honest with you, folks, we've done some more stuff. But um, as we've said, <laughs> this... <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> I, I, I've
3: got some. I've got something to tell you guys about... Uh, speak of movies we didn't like... Uh, <laughs> this normally doesn't go? happen it's during the patient. review. Oh...
2: Uh, um, Hello. yeah.
3: Pan, Pandora. It's not Pandora. The, when we're done, I'll talk about it. I shouldn't have been drinking.
2: You go ahead. <laughs> I shouldn't have been. You mean Prometheus? Prometheus.
3: Yeah. yeah. We're, we're offline. I'll talk to you about something about Prometheus. I found okay. out.
1: Okay. Uh, okay. So just just goes to show I am in full. Um, Control, control of my faculty so I can continue on. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's fine. This is one of those movies that we really do kind of look back, or at least I do. And it's fun. It's exciting. But compared to the rest of the stuff out there, from that period, it sucks. Um, <laughs> I mean, really. It's really... <laughs> Really bad. Oh, my gosh. I think, to be honest with you guys, this might be the worst movie that we have ever reviewed. Oh, better, worse than Death Race? Oh, my God, yes. Death Race <laughs> is a classic. Good Lord. Especially with you, when you, like, passed out on halfway through the show. That's, hell, hell, you made the show right there. That was awesome. No, this, this is... It's awful. It's, it's pretty awful. awful. It's pretty awful. I'm I'm going to give it... Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I'm trying to be really generous here. Well, okay, the you only
2: know... thing that... Wait, real, real quick. The thing that saves this movie, the reason our listeners should watch it, is for Joel brain playing
1: June. It's the only thing
3: that
2: saves this movie. Okay, say that again,
1: because you faded out through the it's whole the thing. The only thing that saves this movie... Is Joel
2: Gray playing Jun?
1: Yes, that's y- it. You have to see it for Joel Gray. Joel Gray is—he's what saves the movie. It's awesome. Uh, outside of that, yeah, it, its pretty—it's pretty terrible. Is even as eighties movie eighties movies go, that's the ten point five percent triple kick in. Sorry, so. There you go. That is my review. I'm gonna give it oh gosh. This might be the lowest review I've ever given on this podcast. Four and a half. I'm gonna give
2: it a five just because Joel Gray is entertaining. But yeah, it it's it's Pretty forgettable, obviously, because there wasn't a sequel. However, yes, they are looking at rebooting this series. No, they yes, they are. Oh, good lord, yes, they are. Yep, they are looking at rebooting seriously. The series. Yes, they are. They're looking at rebooting. Do they
3: say who with,
2: uh, they don't say who with the director. Hold on, um. Hold on just a second. Um, Shane Black has been hired to direct a fresh adaptation of Warren Murphy's pulp novel. Um, So Shane Black, who is rebooting Predator and is trying to start the Doc Savage series. Yeah. So they're they're trying to reboot Remo Williams. Why?
3: Doc Savage, at least, is something original.
2: Yes, and Doc Savage could be good. Actually, there was a Doc Savage movie. There was. Yep. Yep. It was with Ken. What's his name? Uh. Yeah, Doc Savage, Man Ken of Bronze, with Ron Ely. Pardon me, with Ron Ely.
0: Oh gosh. Yeah, nineteen
2: seventy-five. Yep. I've learned something. Yeah, George Powell was the producer. So, all right,
1: Steve, grab control of this damn podcast. Well, I've right. tried. All right, get us out of here. All right, folks, well, there you go. That is the reviews
3: of Remo we- What? Okay. I said nothing. Oh, Ken. I was going real fast and say I gave this careful, careful consideration before watching or before we did our podcast. I came into this knowing exactly what I was going to say. I wasn't going to let my, my vote be swayed by anything said. Nothing has mm. changed. I give it a four.
1: <laughs> well, you're you're right up there with the rest of the crew. So. It sucks. There you go. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I, again And, again, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize. I remembered it more favorably back in the day. That's the problem. All right. So there you go. That is it with the Man Cave Move Review and uh, all of our reviews. So that's it with the Man Cave Move Review episode 160. Shysa, what the hell is it? 64? I don't know. You're in command. I command. Yes. I mean, 64, 164. I, I lose track. We've been doing so many. So that's it. Uh, we are done with Man Cave Move Review episode 164. Look for us on our website at ManCaveMovieReview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review, and leave us a comment. Tell us if you like this show or did not like it. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Man Cave Movie Review. So until next time, I am your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Jeff. Jeff. I'm not... Oh, shit, he's not here, right? With my very good and dear friend, Mark, at least my name was written on a bedpan. slower Remember, the podcast is on the road, not destination. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and also saying farewell and adieu and adieu is our really good and dear friend, Ken. I'm not Korean, but I might make a passable sumo wrestler,
3: Ronnie.
2: Oh, well, well, oh. okay, yeah, we're done. Wow, <laughs> what the hell was that? Just get us out just of here. just thinking about
3: this movie. The slow the slow pace of
1: this movie put me to sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Chewie,
1: uh, get us out of here. All right, Chewie. <laughs> punch it? Is that what you're saying, <laughs> Chewie? All right, folks, that is it with the man cave
3: movie review. you punching it than punching me. <laughs> All
1: right that is it with the man game movie review episode 164 uh, we will be back for the next one until then ciao